podcast deals with themes, languages, and situations that may not be suitable for young audiences. If you're under the age of 18, parental guidance isn't going to help you here. Welcome to the Now Open Podcast, the sex education podcast that's more sex than education. I'm Trisha. And I am Kai. And I'm Jobim. Jobim, you're a bit soft. Can you put the mic like just literally, like as if you're going to suck a dick, like right next to your mouth. <laughs> oh, that's way better. There you go. All right. So we are here for yet another Tuesday. What have you guys been up to? My weekend was so busy. I just schoolwork, work, work, and taking care of the dog. Where is your dog? Right here. Look at him. Hi. Hi. I'm going to die. He's a baby. <laughs> so there. What about you, Jobim? What have you been up to? I heard news this week. Um, I don't know if you guys follow U.S. politics, but there is a, like a Supreme Court nominee or something goes by the name of uh, Amy Coney Bartlett, who was recently accused of being anti-LGBTQ for using the term sexual preference. It was jumped on by. Um, Senator Mazzy Hirono of Hawaii, who claimed that Amy Coney Bartlett deliberately disrespected uh, the LGBT, L- <laughs> LGBTQ community by using the term sexual preference. And by later that evening, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary had changed its definition of preference to include offensive views. Huh. That's so interesting. Interesting. So, I did not hear about that. Merriam-Webster Dictionary now recognizes the use of word preference instead of orientation because it implies that a person's sexual orientation is something that can be chosen. Yeah, I get that. I can see that. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if she was willingly being offensive because, to be fair, we were using the word sexual preference for a very long time. Like, I'm pretty sure I used it. Uh, um, I'm, I'm glad to, that language is changing. According to this one senator, the um, the Supreme Court nominee was using it like intentionally in an insidious way. Well, she's mm. a Trump nominee, so I already don't trust mm. her. So <laughs> that's what you've been up to this week, getting angry about yeah. preferences. What my week was like, um, I spent the weekend talking to friends about issues in their life. And I'm going to like really badly segue into our topic for today, um, as I do. So we were, what we really were talking about issues in our lives. And we were talking about how our parents and our past experiences and just our lives in general have fucked us up in ways that we couldn't have even imagined. You know, like we just thought it was completely normal 
to feel this way about our bodies or about our relationships. And like, I guess the summation of that evening really was, y'all need therapy. And I don't really mean that in a bad way. Like, I know like some people use it as an insult. Like, y'all, y'all need to go to therapy, you know. But honestly, which millennial or baby boomer especially, like which, which one of us doesn't need therapy, I think. I think that especially when it comes to like sex and relationships, we are fucked up. We don't have good role models. We don't have good media representation. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. You know, and that's, I think, really why it's super important for us to talk about this today because so many people could benefit from sex and relationships therapy, but they're too scared to, to admit that they need professional help because it, so many people it feels like it's a weakness like nah, kaya ko to. I'll do it on it my own it just sounds like I mean I need professional help for sex it's not a common thing you hear right you need professional help already has a negative connotation right saying you need professional help for your performance in the bedroom for choosing the bedroom that's like we want we want to remove that from being a death sentence if not it's Right. Um, it, it doesn't mean that you're a, a defective no. person. It just means that like anybody, you had a difficult time learning how to human and how to, to relate to other people. Our guest today is really near and dear to my heart, Charganon. <laughs> um, so she is known as the country sex therapist. She is the co-host of the Sexy Minds podcast, as well as another podcast called Conservative Ako. I'm pretty sure that's a misleading title. And she is, I guess I, I, it's not unethical for me to reveal this because I'm the patient, but she's my therapist. So I'm super biased right now because like, I think this woman is amazing and she's done wonders for me. And I'm really excited to introduce her to y'all. Everyone, this is Dr. Rika Cruz. All right. Hi, Rika. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to... Like, speaking with you guys, I know Kai. Kai gave a talk um, in my class, my sex ed class in Ateneo, about her thesis. Yes. And I know we need to write that. <laughs> we do need to write I, that paper. I still owe you, <laughs> owe you. But yes, we all need to write that paper. Yes. I'm excited for that. I promise. <laughs> Woo. Exciting, exciting. Rika, you are a... I love how you're called the country sex therapist. It's because I feel like... Am I called? I don't know. That's what your introduction is all the time. Whenever we are, we're on a show together, um, on your podcast, it's like the country sex therapist. And I think that's super interesting because when I was looking for a therapist, that was like really tough for me to find. It was, it was tough for me to find uh, someone who was like as sex positive as I needed them to be. So... How did you get to where you are today? Like, how did you become Dr. Rika Cruz country sex therapist? Like, what, what was the process? What happened to you? I was in med school at, um, I was in med school when I was like in my mid 20s, no, early 20s. And then I had to drop out of med school because um, I had a threatened abortion with my first baby, right? And... So I said, nah, fuck med school. I'll just find some something else to do. And until this day, I don't know why I went into psych, but apparently something, some fucked up shit of the universe put me there. Now, when I was doing my MA, I had to do research, and I was like, what the hell? I hate research. 
right? And now I have a PhD, so fuck that. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> goals. I goals, goals, goals. And um, I said, okay, so what do I want to know? And I was thinking it was either how can I be happy? I was doing, I was supposed to do a happiness um, study or... My other question was, how many times should a person have sex to be happy? Why was that my question? It was because during that time, my ex-husband and I were not fucking. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we're not fucking having sex. But I could have stopped in not fucking. And <laughs> Am I still making sense to you guys? Oh, totally. Yes, yes. yes. All right. So we weren't fucking, right? And I was like, what the fuck, man? I, I, I need sex. And I wanted to know if it was like really important in a marriage. So I went into that. And then one thing led to another and to another to another. And now I'm here. However, whenever I go on like guestings or whenever people find out what I do, they ask me that question. Like, what made you... Uh, get into this field. And then with my therapist, I have a therapist. Therapists should have therapists. Do not go to a therapist without a therapist. So when I was, when I was talking to my therapist, we kind of figured out that it has been with me since I was a child. And all my friends since like kinder and even my closest high school friends, whenever they'd see me now, they would tell me that, you know what, you've been talking about sex since um, we can remember. So apparently, um, like in elementary, I talked about uh, condoms. In elementary, what the fuck? In, uh, <laughs> in high school, I talked about um, sexually transmitted infections. In college, for my, what's that? Uh, English 3, the speech one. Com 3. UP, UP, yes. Com 3. Com 3, I talked yeah. about masturbation. And they were all, oh, you, you, were, you were meant to do this. And I was like, what? I can't remember. Because I repress things, right? <laughs> and the repression comes from a dark side, which also contributed to what I'm doing now. But all I'm going to tell you is that it's apparently part of my healing. Because anything sexually related that's negative, I have encountered and experienced. So there. That was like a story. Was that a story? Now, when you say you've experienced it, you mean literally or professionally? Literally. Like even personally. Before I went into the yes, <laughs> even before I went into this um, profession. So I okay. I believe that this is part of my healing as well. Like going into this, going into this field is part of my healing. You know, we have a thing with a thing, a saying with psychologists that you go into your field because there's something there that you need to figure out for yourself. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not mainly about helping other people, but it's yeah. also helping yourself. So there you go. It reminds me of what um, my professor used to tell us, like especially when we couldn't figure out like what to do for research. He'd be like, look at your life and figure out what you want to solve. And then... yeah make that the research topic. Yeah, it really reminds you of that. Yeah, because if you're going to spend, like, years of your life doing research, and which, honestly, all of us, I think, hate, even though we do it, you know, no, might as well have it like be it. something that's interesting. Yeah. You like it? I love Alice. it. 
<laughs> I like Nicole. Oh. <laughs> I mean, if I had to do research about sex, I'd like doing research too, man. Might as well yeah. be about sex, which is like at least for all of us is, is a very interesting topic. What does it look like? What does sex therapy look like? What is a session with you? How does it go? Like, what can people expect it from it? It really depends. Well, um, at first, a lot of people think that sex therapy is, you know that uh, Meet the Fuckers movie? Yeah. That yeah. I'd watch mm. them have sex and then um, tell them what to do. No, that's not me. That's another profession, though. It's, I don't think it's legal here. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what does it look like? It really depends on what the issue or what the concern of the person is. And... Uh, um, as sex therapists, we usually treat sex as a symptom of a deeper problem. So when you come to me and then tell me, you know what, everything is great in my relationship, um, it's just that my, the, our sex life isn't that good, or you know what, I can't orgasm, or you know what, my, my penis isn't, isn't um, having an erection, then it's not the problem, it's just a symptom of a deeper problem. So when you come to me for therapy, and you tell me um, what your sex problem is, I will tell you where it may come from, and then we will dig deeper. You know, I like digging deep. Dig deeper into that before we can address the behavioral factor, which is that sexual activity or whatever it is that physiologically you are experiencing. Okay. So exactly how really is sexual health connected to mental health? Because you said it's, it's not the problem in itself. It's not that your penis doesn't work, you know. It's not that um, you don't enjoy sex or sex is like just purely physically painful. How is it really connected to our mental health? Oh, sweetheart. Sexual health is a big part of mental health. Right? You know how physical health is a big part. If you're sick, you will feel um, sad or depressed. It's the same way, you know. Sexual pleasure is actually a right. Mm. Be because, yeah, it is a right. It is a right. I'm, it's literally a right. It has been... Right. Sexual um, rights. Sexual rights. So if uh, yeah. somebody is disabled in some countries, I believe that, like, the government will, like, provide you with somebody who will aid you in that. Really? Yeah. There are countries that yes. provide like... Um, oh. Yeah, I just actually finished um, a conference on sexual disabilities, love mm -hmm. and sexual disabilities. And where, where they talked about, where people who had disabilities were in wheelchairs, and not, not just physical disabilities, it's also mental, invisible disabilities, that's what we call it, um, who, are having who are having problems with their sexual health. So, yeah. Rika, can you tell us how many, around how many patients you've, you've had total? Oh my good lord. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't even count, I can't. <laughs> uh, give us an uh, an estimate. Like a thousand. I've been doing this for s around six years now. Mm -hmm. Not naman a thousand. That's a lot. But a lot. Because <laughs> like when I was doing my pra when I was doing my supervision practice in um, Canada in the states, that was already what a thousand hours. A thousand hours, new hours. So that would mean like 
a thousand sessions of different like either couples or individuals. So and then we know in here what? Mm -hmm. It's the most common age group that uh, that goes to get sex therapy. At what point do people start um, getting invested in delving into these problems, these okay. issues? It depends. I, I I know I don't want to say it, but it's a gendered issue. It depends on the gender, <laughs> according to my um, clinical practice. For men, it's uh, when they can't get it up, either erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation, but mostly if they can't get it up. For women, it's uh, the pain or the lack of orgasm. For couples, it's uh, the low quality of um, sexual encounters or low frequency of sexual encounters. But if you're going to summit, everything is just the problem of desire. It's either low desire, higher desire, or wrong desire. Oh, okay. I like what you said in terms of how like sexual well-being is a right because it reminds me especially of like I'm like what I'm doing in my masters right now in terms of women in development I learned that as much as sexuality can be a source of ill-being like it can be a source of you know STDs and marital issues and things like that it's also a source of well-being and I think that that's often ignored in a lot of the research, I believe. Like, a lot, a lot of... I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that most of the time, research would would frame sexuality in factual, like, inf infographical types of ways, devoiding it of, like, pleasure. So I really like what you said about how sexual pleasure is really a riot. Yeah. I, you were saying that sexual pleasure is a riot because um, research... Um, are almost devoid of uh, studies on pleasure. It's always like the encounters or... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, my PhD, my dissertation is on the sexual pleasure of the Filipino women. Ooh. So I did two theories. Holy shit. I did two models. <laughs> Whenever I think about it, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I did two models on um, sexual pleasure of the Filipino women because, yeah, I felt that way. I felt like I've been reading um, sex studies for the past, what, uh, during that time, it was the past three years, and I've been attending um, conferences, and I did, I think it was when I was doing my clinical practice in Canada that I realized that, what the fuck, why am I, why am I reading Western literature on the sexual pleasure of women and I can't, like, what about us? What about us? And it's actually, like, one of my insights when I went home to practice here because all my training was abroad, right? It was Western. And when I practiced here, it was totally different. So I had to adjust. Like, I had to learn to get into Filipino, um, Filipino thinking, Filipino culture while I grew up here. But, but the training... Had was different and had to adjust. What was the biggest difference so for you? It was my frustration. The biggest difference was really the culture. The culture, the culture is fucked up. <laughs> Did you know that the Philippines has the highest rates of sexually frustrated women in Asia? That sounds very correct. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like more than 50% of women are, let me just 
put out my notes. Said yes to yeah, lack of pleasure, lack of orgasm, lack of desire. And there's another one. Pain. 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 Fifty so percent of Filipino women. women. Pain. When you say pain, is this physical pain or is it like a different physical pain? Physical like it hurts the sexual sex. pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you In ever felt that guy? Have you ever had mm-hmm. physically painful sex? That not in a fun way. Like once or twice, but not like a it wasn't a constant thing. But then again, I have like the health issues, so like I under I I I have issues down there. So I understand like why it might have happened, like my because, for example. But I don't know, like it wasn't really a constant like pain, you know. But Doc Rika, is it like? Is this pain that women feel? Is that something that is a constant, recurring thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we call it genital pelvic disorder. Uh, is that like when it kind of clamps a little bit, so it it's like it's too tight to? Like, there's no hole. That's vaginismus. Yes, that's also. Oh, I remember that. Ah, yeah. uh, no. Um, yeah. uh, I I don't know if um that is uh part of the disorder but it could have been just like an automatic reaction <laughs> of the vagina given the substances that was induced during that time what substances would have had to be induced hypothetically speaking we're not accusing anybody of anything to, to have that effect on a human vagina Oh, you know, you have your party which could make your um, vaginal muscles really relaxed or tense depending on, yeah, you have your MDMA, which we're actually using for therapy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I get in on that? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's prescribed. <laughs> I mean, prescription drugs. I need a prescription. Um, it can also be a meth. Mm-hmm. Meth can tighten your vaginal walls. So okay. it really depends. So we're not we're not saying that they, they took anything, but you know these are the things that happen. No, when you no, do. yes. <laughs> oh man, okay, Dr. So, I have a question. Oh. Um, go ahead. So when you you were talking about like problems that your clients and um come come to you with, so how would you classify like a problem? How would you say that this is a problem versus like with sex? How with sex? Like how do you, parang, for example, like it it what if it not really because the way I see it is that it's only a problem if it gets in the way of my daily functioning yes that's how I see okay there are three but things like, there are three mm-hmm. criteria go ahead go ahead but yeah but then that's what I was wondering like how in terms of sex therapy how about you know versus like this is an issue that we can just like you know this is not really an issue I don't know how am I making sense yes you are making um, perfect sense okay three criteria to look at First is, any sexual behavior is considered normal unless, number one, I'm like a teacher, number one, (laughs) it causes you clinically significant distress. I should have had my whiteboard here. Causes you clinically significant distress. Number two, it impairs your functioning. And number three, it hurts other people. Or yourself. Okay. So, like, <laughs> if someone wants to know if they need sex therapy, like, oh, is this something that I should 
seek professional help for? Those are the three criteria. Not necessarily. Because uh, those three are the criteria for um, knowing if you are having problematic sexual behavior. Mm. Right? But it's not, it's not the, because some people are normal or fine, are fine, but, but they're having problems with, uh, you know, like low desire. Doesn't have to be problematic. It doesn't have to be labeled as a disorder or a condition, but it's just, you know, it's an issue. So you can go to sex therapy for that. Masturbate in a day before it's problematic. It depends on you. It really depends on you can masturbate 10 times a day if you go to school or go to work and you're fine with it and, you know, you're happy with it and go ahead. But you do know that you have to masturbate at least 21 times a month to lessen your prostate cancer risk by 30%, right? 21 so 21 times, times. times. If that's the yeah, case, then the risk of my, my cancer is 0%. Like, I'm, I'm great, great. Good on you. <laughs> that is actually why there's no such thing as um, sex addiction, masturbation addiction, or porn addiction. It, it's, it's, it's not a disorder. There's hypersexuality, but there's no sex addiction. If someone comes to you and says, I have sex addiction. That's why I wanted to ask like what when it's a problem because i've encountered people especially like in my curious cat before who was like i'm having so much sex i'm a woman and i feel like i have too much sex for a woman do i do i have a sex addiction oh you tell them do i have a sex addiction no where is it coming from look around you like what is that number? I just feel like for a lot of women, um, especially Filipino women, because like even people in the comments were agreeing that, you know, female sexuality in the Philippines is, it's so repressed, you know? Like one commenter, oh Hi Bell, said it's like why, the, why she moved out of the Philippines, really. <laughs> because the way that female sexuality is treated here is so different. Like, what if she's actually having, like, a totally normal amount of sex, but because we're just conditioned to think that, uh, you know, we shouldn't be enjoying sex or having sex outside of marriage or procreation, that Mm-mm. even if it's, like, a, a totally healthy few times a week, it's just like, am I having too much sex? You know, it's our, our brains are fried when it comes to this. Mm-mm. It's because of that nympho. Um, label that was put on women. And, you know, women, women, hi, blame the patriarchy. Can I just say that? The patriarchy. No, it's, it's because, you know, they want to be able to control our bodies. And why is that so? Because they want to know who the father of our children is. Yeah. Before, before paternity testing and, and shit like that, right? So that has always been the case. And, you know, women are shit. So if you let them free. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have somebody Agreed. on our comments asking. So you earlier said that there is no such thing as sex addiction. There is, however, hypersexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, is nymphomaniac mm-hmm. a medical term or is, is that just like a pop culture no. thing? It's not. It's not a medical term. It, it's, it's not even pop culture. 
it's it's hip-hop culture. It's It's been there for so long. Yeah, so where does the term nymphomaniac come from? I don't know what 18th, 19th century. Why do people keep on insisting that nymphomaniacs are a real thing? It's a, it's a way to um, treat women, to contain women, right? That for, for people to know, for people to say that, okay, you're, you're a bad woman. It's, it's the whore thing. And That's it's the been virgin there whore they since got time me. eternal. It's yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Madonna, Madonna whore. So, so people <sighs> who normally call nymphomaniacs, men and women alike, uh, are people just It's actually for women. Who are afflicted. Oh, it, it's just for women. It's Have you a, heard a, it's man a label man for women. I mean, I hear men it's, call it's themselves a, nymphos, right? Like, oh, I'm such a nympho, dude. Men, men would use that term because it helps them, right? But it, the term was coined, oh my gosh, 18th century, ba? Mga ganon, 18th century, 17th century, um, as a diagnosis for overtly sexual women. But uh, it's really just pathological pathologizing women's sexual needs. Uh, okay, so supposed to be learn something new today. Nymphomaniac isn't a, a real thing. No. No. Apparently, we've been <laughs> No. It it's like how everybody before, was using the word psycho wrong 10 years ago. That's true. Yeah. Mm. That is true. Mm -hmm. And that was also because of a movie. <laughs> Right, Just blame right. movies for everything. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, okay, I got it, I got it. I got I got my notes. Okay. Um, before it was a psychiatric diagnosis, and some of the treatments for nymphomania was like they would cut the clit, the clitoris, <gasps> take away the ovaries, they leech the vagina, leech? you know, or yeah, or they they um enforce bed rest, meaning you you sleep, you can't. You can't move. You can't get out of the bed as a woman because if you get out of the bed, you'll just have sex, right? Oh my God. Do you remember right? the time when, oh, I mean, we don't remember it like because we weren't alive for it probably, but when they <laughs> used to forcefully like masturbate women to get them to climax as treatment. For yeah, yeah like hysteria. Yeah, hysteria. Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, the word but, hysterics. It's but selfish. you know what? It, that's um, that's an urban legend. <gasps> Did you actually <gasps> masturbate women? The dildos, the vibrators, coming from uh, treatment of hysteria. Uh, yeah, it is an urban legend. Let me pull out my, my, my study. Well, I mean, the dildos <laughs> part was definitely false because there are dildos dating all the way back to like ancient Egypt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they weren't treated... With vibrators, like hysteria, meaning that you have to masturbate and come. No, no. I've been lied Doc, to. I have a question. You've been so, lied to, yes. You, how, what is your question? There's that, there's that thing I've heard about how cornflakes was used to... Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to, to yeah, to curb sexual desire. Sexual Plus. desire. Is it because it's yeah. so okay. bland? Yes. Nobody wants to. Yes. Like, no one. It's like, ah. <laughs> yeah, because no. it was so bland, right? Like, it was bland. 
to curb sexual desire because they were thinking before that it was either sugar or salt. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on this. But it was either sugar or salt that would make you hornier. Darling, I'm feeling Damn. a little horny. Please pass the cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take a cold shower and a bowl of bran. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've never wanted to fuck after eating cornflakes. So maybe there's some truth to it. <laughs> so I guess wow. that's one takeaway. Eat cornflakes, maybe. No, if no. It doesn't work Tasha. with cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst thing can do. <laughs> Make you slightly fatter. I don't know. I thought we're, we're doing sex ed here. No, 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 no. We're just promoting cornflakes. Actually, our the sexual desire won't go down, uh, but your bowel movements will be perfect. Secret, or your sugar ones. level. Your sugar level will go up. <laughs> What's a common problem people experience that you think people would be surprised to find is common? Everything. Everything. Every problem. Mm. Like, what's the Do most a lot of people one? come to you feeling like they're alone or they're, they're weird for having their sexual issues? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Women come so to me what? because they feel that they're the only ones having that problem. But There was this book I read called Come As You Are by Emily mm-hmm. Nagoski. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. one thing that really stood out for me was how she tries to instill in her readers and in her students in the past that they are normal. Mm. Now, no, regardless of what they feel or what they, like, what, who they're attracted to or what they do in terms of sex, it's like they're normal. And I wanted to ask you about like how, um, is that something you agree with? And if you do, how do you, how, in your practice, how have you employed making people feel more normal in terms of their desires and or lack thereof you know that it is normal you tell them it's normal you empathize with them and then that's just it because you know a lot of people think that they're the only ones that they're alone Mm. they're the only ones going through that problem their situation may be unique to them yes but um the physiological symptoms or how they're feeling. Yes, there are other people there who are experiencing the same thing. What is the general advice you can give people? There must be some some more or less universal advice you can give people to deal with their issues. Universal advice for issues? <laughs> what, no, what, is, what, no, what is the most common thing that you say to people who come to you? Like- problems that think that they are unique or that think that they are alone in their problems what is the oh, most common then, advice yeah, that you, you give them it, it, it's it, it's just that other people are experiencing the same it's it's normal it's a normal um yeah reaction to whatever you're going through so like what That's are it. some of those like really really common problems that people go to you for like you mentioned earlier like erectile dysfunction for men uh painful sex for women but like what are like some of the non-physiological problems that people approach you for? Relationships. Relationships, infidelity, affairs. So everyone's cheating, basically. <laughs> um, low self-worth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's cheating. No, no, no. Don't quote me into that. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Infidelity, self-worth. Um, issues with uh, sexuality, yeah. 
So where do you think like that issue of low self-esteem, especially when it comes to sex, comes from? Because I don't know about you guys, but I actually used sex as a way to make up for my low self-esteem. I had such low self-esteem that I would just fuck anything. Not okay, no, not even anything. Same. But I would I would fuck people that I thought by fucking them Somebody would make me it. feel better Somebody about myself. <laughs> like it wasn't everyone. It was just like, oh, if I fuck this person, I would feel better about myself because they're hot, uh, they have social status. Um, I, I don't know. Something I like that. So ex self esteem by fucking you because you are this valuable in my eyes. That's what I thought. Like I really had that weird. Yeah. Um, idea in my head that maybe I would feel better about right. myself if I fucked right. somebody. Like, where right, same here. Same here. So like, Sex is the currency that? with which you buy your self-esteem. Yeah. Sex, at least the way I thought about it when I was growing up was like how I was so I was always craving for a certain sense of like love or a certain sense of like attention from people that I used sex to kind of gain that as an easy way to gain that. You know, and it was very. It was as I grew older, I realized like there's so much more to the sexual experience than just using it as a means to an end. There's so much more to the sexual experience than using it as something that fills a void. You know, so I wanted. Yeah, I also want to know the question, the, the answer to Trisha's question. Like, how do you go about that? The self worth. Mm-hmm. Because of sex, like your self worth is tied to sex in a way. Then you go back to your early experiences of sex. What made it? What made it associated with your self worth? What made it equivalent to your self worth? There must be something there. <laughs> I feel like your face. You asked that question, when and your I face just went 13. like. <laughs> so yeah, let's. I don't want to cry right now. So how has being a sex therapist affected your sexual relationships? And I also want to know, like, oh, a second fine. part to that question. <laughs> like, I want to know how it's affected your relationship with your daughter. Oh, okay. First is, um, the good parts, it's, 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 oh my God, sex is so great. Just because I know a lot, right? Um, the bad part, the bad part is, um, being a sex therapist and going out there talking about sex as a woman was one of the things that I think put a blow in my first marriage. And when I was dating again, men would really be intimidated. It's either they want to get into my pants because they want to know how good I am, but that's a, that's a common misconception. If you're a sex therapist, you're good in bed, but I am good in bed. Um, uh, <laughs> Let's go, but, yeah. So there are other people in the man, other men who would think that, oh, I'm so scared of her. So it was difficult to find the man who's secure about his sexuality. And, oh, yeah, that's, an, that's another story. I'll tell that later how I made sure that the man I'm with is like cool with everything. Kasi nga, diba, with what I'm doing. Parang that was one of the triggers of me separating with my ex-husband. Um, your next question, um, how has it affected my daughter? Holy shit, my daughter can stand in front of my sex ed class and give give my students a talk. <laughs> and she knows everything. <laughs> like Asa Butterfield's character in sex education. 
Yes. Have you seen the show Sex Education? Uh, yeah, but... Is that like you guys, yes, basically? Yes, like, but Mom. now... <laughs> no, at first, when she was like six, seven, seven, eight, around seven, eight years old, she was like that. Because she would have like her barcada over, there were three guys and three girls, and I would buy them pizza or whatever. And then I would tell them, you know what, next time I'll have a bowl of condoms there if you're going to sleep over. Because they sleep over our house, right? And it's it's fine. But they're like, what, seven, eight, six, seven years old, and they're just playing. But now that they're like 10, 11, and I see them, I'm like, oh my God. My daughter learned how to put on condoms on like a dildo when she was like eight. And my one-year-old plays with condoms, you know? Like, she was I hope she it's so funny. It's so funny because my daughter, my my my, el- my eldest daughter, my elder daughter, um, she would make it. I have like a thousand condoms at home. She would make it into balloons, right? And then she would tie it up and then play with it. And then my little girl, Naman, would get the get the balloons, and then because she's used to having water, right? <laughs> she sees sucking nipples. Then she would get the balloon and I put it in her mouth and then look at it and they're like, oh shit. <laughs> but my 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 partner and I would just laugh at it like, okay. <laughs> That's practice for you. But <laughs> when your kid grows up, you can be like, you know how old you were when you had your first condom in your mouth? <laughs> You'll never mm-hmm. let her hear that. Mm-hmm. I would I have a I have a photo. Oh, no, you're going to bring it out. Here's evidence. Oh, God. This kid is going to be so I have a photo. So what do you think is the effect of... Yeah, like on on your daughter. What what is the effect of uh, raising your kids in such a sex-positive environment? We'll find out. I'll get back to you. No, my my 10-year-old... She's actually very open. Um, oh my, you you love you love this story, Trish. Um, the other day, because her birthday was two weeks ago. Yeah, or a week ago. And then during her birthday, she had um two of her friends over and they were talking about we were talking about um the LGBTQ that whole spectrum. And then one of her friends were, were telling her. Um, you go ahead, just just tell her, just just tell them. And I said, what? That she likes girls? I already know that. And then my daughter said, no, no. She's like, no, no. What? That you like both um, men and women, like boys and girls? And then um, she said, yeah, I think I'm bi. And then I said, oh, me too. High five. <laughs> and they all started laughing. <laughs> Oh my oh, god. Oh my heart. Oh, and my then, heart. Yeah, and then her friend cool. was like, I told you she'd be fine with it. I said, Of course I'd be fine with it. What are you talking about? Because like I, I kind of get it, because it's just like as a as a member of the community, if I had a child and they were like, I like man, I'd be like, No. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> I'm also bi, but don't do this. <laughs> Yeah, like, my girlfriend and I have this, like, little race in our heads where it's, like, my sister, she's, like, 18, and she was, she used to live with lesbian moms, and her other stepsister is also part of the community. So, my girlfriend and I are like, you know what, when she gets to college, I swear, it'll, she'll, she'll come out, she'll come out, we're like, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, and I asked her about it, I'm like, hey, are you sure, like, you're, you're straight? She's like, yes, I'm straight, I'm like... For real? She's like, yeah, I am. I'm like, 
Okay. Final answer? Okay, baby girl. Final answer? <laughs> and my girlfriend are like, next three years, we'll wait for it. <laughs> no, my sister, like, I asked her if she was into girls too. And she was like, no, I'm not. I'm just really into guys. I'm like, okay, good. I'm the gay sister. There can only be one. There can only be one. There can only be one. I like to have more. More the merrier. I would love to have a. I would love to have a lesbian cousin. That would be great. I'm. I'm currently the gay one, in both my mom and my dad's side. So that's. But I would love to have somebody else to talk to because I feel like it's, like your, your sister, no, your stepsister. I, yeah. Who's the Who's the gay one? <laughs> my. I'm the I'm I'm the gay one. You're the gay one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I feel like yeah, it's very important to grow up in like a really loving household and to know that you. Uh, in in the podcast that I was with with Rika, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how re- important it really is to have somebody in your family that you can kind of latch onto, and that you right. can trust. And I am so envious of your daughters right now because it's like it seems like both of you, you and your partner, both people raising them are just so open. It's it's just it's kind of ridiculous to me to kind of wrap my head around because mm. that is just so far from all of our experiences and most Filipinos experiences. It's like a, it's a whole new generation of children who are being brought up mm. to accept their sexuality and you know whether that's being straight, gay, whatever and to And a whole new generation of parents too. Right. And it's right. Just, I'm so excited to see these kids grow up and Exactly. What is can we fast forward? Because I want to know the answer to Jibim's question. How? Do no, you don't that? fast forward. I like her. Like, oh my gosh, a baby. She just had her period two weeks ago. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And two weeks ago, she also came out to you, right? Yeah. No, she had her period two weeks before her birthday, and then yes, she came out after. But I already knew since she was six years old or five years old, she would ask me, what if like a boy likes a boy? That's okay. What if like a girl likes a girl? Like she would have those questions. Like what if I like a girl? Go ahead. Does she have money? Like what? <laughs> that's, that's Ask the important questions, you know? It's like, Does she have work? Or? You have no rules about her dating. It's like, must I make sure they have money, huh? Must they can take care of you. Because you're not giving her any money. I mean, that's for sure. It doesn't matter your, if it's her boy or girl. Your trust fund is like Just go for someone who's out of your league. <laughs> but there. So, yeah, I think... Well, it's been going pretty great. Um, good. She would have questions every now and then. I remember there was a time that I was uh, searching something because I was doing a study. And then porn came out of my um, laptop. And then I was the one who was like, oh, shit. I went like that. And apparently she was behind me. And then she said, mama, that's just porn. <laughs> okay. You just got schooled. <laughs> yeah so there and I would also bring her like whenever I have uh, university-wide talks um on safe sex or responsible sex I'd bring her with me so she knows about HIV she knows she knows how to put condoms on in as much as like you know Trisha wants Trisha wants to see like how the next generation of kids are going to grow up, especially in this like sex positive environment. I'm also excited to see, like in terms of Joe Bim, I want to see like how and the newer generation of parents are going to be bringing up their kids. You know, because like right, right. In as much, grow, growing up is growing up is tough, but also 
guiding someone as they grow up is a whole other ballgame. Because you're basing raising your kids on your experience, which is not right. the same experience they're going to have. So you're really right. just feeling out in the dark. Uh, that no. being said, have because we live in uh, such a conservative country, have you ever had an awkward conversation with a parent of one of your friend's kids for the things that you talk about with your daughters? Yeah, how do the parents no. of your kids' friends they think know what about I do. you talking about condoms? They know what I do. We're all we're all a big barcada. Like my parents, I, th- their parents are the ones who bring their oh, kids okay. to me to talk to them about sex. Like, oh, I can't talk to them. You you talk to Tita Rica. You know, he asked Tita Rica. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna tell you something, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you back at your parents and ask them <laughs> to explain it to you like that. Even even in school, like my colleagues. Would um, ask me to talk to their kids because they don't know how to answer, and then I would tell them how to answer. I would talk to their kids um, with them, and then I would tell them, "Okay, if you have any more questions, you can just ask your parents." What is yeah, the best that. way to start that conversation? With how, like, how old are we talking about? Like different developmental stages. Like, let's say if they're like oh, ten versus when they're preteens, late teens, like. Like, what's the best time about that? And like, what's the? Oh, since they're they're kids, you know, sex ed starts when education starts. So, right, you talk to them when they're kids. Actually, the they will be the ones who will start the conversation. They will be the ones to yeah. ask. Because yeah. as kids, sense. they they're asking they're asking a lot of things about sex, yeah. which as parents, a lot of parents. Just don't answer. Just shrug it off because they don't know how to answer it. So it's right. not you who's going to start. It's them. But whenever you shrug it off, they will be conditioned not to ask anymore. So when they get right. older, they won't ask. So when you become parents, if ever you become parents, you just wait for their cue. Did you ever use um, terms other than penis and vagina when talking to your kids? No. It's always been Pepe penis and vagina. Atite. Oh, Pepe and Titi. Pepe and Titi. Um, my youngest, my youngest name is uh, uh I call her Kiki. Kiki, 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 come here. All right, we I have another home. question um from Facebook from Lex. Is it kind of normal to feel midway between feeling like drooling and feeling like choking? when aroused sometimes. I often found yeah. this to be weird with me, and I'm thinking that there's some anxiety attached to the feeling too. Drooling okay. and choking. Drooling and choking, yes, it's, it's normal because, diba, when you are um, aroused, it heightens your breathing, diba? Short breaths, palpitations, faster heart rate. So it is normal, but if he is saying that there's anxiety linked, then there probably is. And I would tell um, him to go to therapy. Therapy, y'all. Our next question comes from Maki, who asks, since sexual performance tends to rely on one's self-worth, security, and confidence, how do you get out of your head once you find yourself going down that road? Going down what road? Like, anxiety? Like, being in your head when you're having sex and just, like, being really concerned about performing. You have to learn... You have to learn how to be with your body. It's accepting the feeling in your body and just letting it go right no sex is such a nice thing to have if you just know how to let go 
I, I totally understand that, Mackie, because I used to kind of view or approach sex as a sort of performance also. Like, I also used to be super in my head about it. I had to look a certain way. I had to do certain things, always in service of the other person. And I don't know, what kind of helped me is, like, what feels good to me, even if I'm on the giving end? Like, am I enjoying myself doing this for them? Like, am I actually really enjoying it, like, in my bones? Or am I just in... Or am I just doing it because I think that I should be doing it? So I don't know. Like I feel like we don't tune into our bodies a lot uh, when we're having sex. I feel like you just like be really in tune with your body. Meditate. Oh God, I'm the kind of person who says meditate now. Yeah. I meditate. I love meditating. <laughs> oh, I never thought I'd be this kind of person, but you know, meditating is like, awesome. Listen to your body. I oh, God, ew. <laughs> Don't judge. I'm judging myself. <laughs> I'm still not. What's disgusting about it, Trish? Uh, I don't know. I just I used to like up until like maybe two or even a year ago. I used to look at people who meditated as like woo woo, you know. <laughs> and then I started doing it, and I was just like, oh, why do I like this? <laughs> why am I amazing? I love it. Better? Why am I? What does it tell you? What does it tell you? It tells you that you're developing as a human and you don't like it. It's kind of disgusting, huh? Uh, I just want to be kalat a little bit longer. Trisha enjoys being so Oh, I'm still kalat. I'm, I know I've developed as a human. I'm still developing, but I'm so kalat. And that's what oh, I love about myself. so much better. I still want to be a kalat. Be, self-actual- like, older be self-actualized kalats. That's a good one. I like that. We will never self-actualize. I mean, that's so boring. <laughs> oh my god. See, this is why she's my therapist. Because she gets me. <laughs> she's like, exactly the kind of person I want to be. So. I can't even pick which bit of this conversation I love the most. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I, I'm glad I'm entertaining you guys. Actually, I'm an entertainer. <laughs> 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 no, I'm not like this in therapy. We don't, I think don't, more people don't go to sometimes. therapy if you marketed it like that. <laughs> this is okay, how our session goes. You want to be go. entertained for an hour? <laughs> right? And then you'll feel better about yourself. That is the scam. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, going back to the serious me. <laughs> <laughs> Straight face. All right, we have oh. some more questions from our viewers. Uh, here we go. Do you believe that it's wrong that some people would look at their sexual compatibility with a person as a way to assess if they would get into a committed relationship with that person? So sexual compatibility. Oh, good is a lord! Do you? I believe that it's wrong. Hell no! I will not be with anyone I'm not sexually compatible with. I can't even last a week, honey. So go ahead, do it. It's okay. Okay, follow-up question. How do you go about assessing sexual compatibility with somebody? You try. You just keep doing it. <laughs> so, like, just surprise! Just what do you mean sex. you try? Okay. I mean, just, right. just experience it and you will know. You know, good sex. Good sex will come after some time. But there are things that you would know 
at the start, maybe once or twice or thrice. And uh, um, after three times of doing it, you'd know that, hey, I don't like how this person kisses. <laughs> like that, right? So, bye-bye. Or like, oh, no, penis size not for me. So, okay, bye-bye. Oh, uh, no, um, uh, scent not for me. Diba? So, it, it's, it's really that. It's something that you would think about. Yeah. How do you go about good sex but bad relationship? Mm. Like, because I've had that experience where it's like, I'd keep running back to the dick because it was so good, but he was so toxic. So how does that work? Like, how do you, how do you, I don't know. Oh, it depends. Is is that enough for you to stay in the relationship? Then you have to think about it. And what is it about the dick? (laughs) What is it about the dick that makes you go back? Is it, is it? Is it really just the sex or is it something else? There must be something else. It's not the relationship per se, not the intimacy, but the dick that's one. It's a dick thing, right? A good dick is a dick thing. Um, but there must be, if you're going to choose the dick over your self-respect, if the toxic has, if, if the relationship is toxic, then there must be something else. Hmm. Yeah, like you keep going back to a toxic relationship. Not just because I was in a toxic relationship and I thought I enjoyed the sex, but looking back, the sex was actually bad, you know, and I wasn't going back for the sex. I was going back for that thrill that I don't know what's going to happen type of thing. And I I find myself Mm. going back to that with um, toxic partners or partners who aren't right for me. It's always I I can't predict this person. And that's exciting. For me, it's the I hate you sex. Mm. I like that. Wow. For me, it was mm, because sorry. I hated myself and the sex made me feel powerful. There you go. Are we in therapy right Good now? awareness. Are Good notice. Right we're, we're just talking about... <laughs> you have to pay me now. Just <laughs> <laughs> Gcash. Oh my God, there's a... I'll send you my bill. <laughs> you're being charged by the hour, by the way. <laughs> so, guys, if you have questions, make sure to get it in there because... This isn't. This isn't always. You're gonna have an actual licensed person telling, giving you advice. It's usually just us three dumb fucks here. Um, just us. <laughs> like from our very limited experience. I'm so. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. Like. Uh, I can't ignore it. Why do you call yourself dumb? Why do you call yourselves dumb fucks? I. I really think with my theoretical dick. Um. Like, I, I feel like I have, like, a little phantom pe- or, like, my lady bits have their own brain sometimes. Just thinking about all the partners I used to have. And it's just like, why was I there? And it was just dumb, horny brain. It was, I just have a really high libido. <laughs> and I was like, let's get but, this. But, like, a horny brain, mm, but a horny brain isn't necessarily dumb. It's just horny. No, but my brain was so dumb. dumb <laughs> I'm just dumb. <laughs> no, I, I, I'd like to think I'm a okay. little bit better now. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I hope so. <laughs> I want to ask, Rico, what do you, in your experience as a sex therapist, what is the number, mm-hmm. like, doesn't have to be like the number one, but the most common roadblocks people have towards becoming their you know, reaching their full sexual potential and becoming, like, achieving that self-actualization that apparently we'll never achieve as Kalat people. Like, what is, what's stopping us as a society, as a culture? The society. Society is its own problem. 
sexual gender stereotypes. So, we have this narrative of sex, and it's difficult to move past it, especially if it's already ingrained in your heads. How do you so, think um, younger people's relationship with sex is going to change now that um, sexuality is openly discussed, more, more young people are getting into sex work online? How do you think the younger generation's relationship with sex is going to change as time goes on? Okay. Well, studies say that if um, you discuss sexuality openly, it's in a sex-positive um, society, then people will have, will start having more responsible sex. I mean, if, if the goal is to curb STIs and the teenage pregnancies, then we're hoping that by, like, when their time comes, it won't be as high as it is now. Also, you know, uh, comprehensive sex ed has proven has been proven effective to help with these issues, public health issues, and not just public health issues, but also with um, people's self worth, self esteem, how they see love, how they see sex, how they see consent, and how they respect other people. So. I am thinking my, my optimistic view, I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime, but my optimistic view is that people will grow up with more respect towards each other and um, they'll be more accepting and they'll be more kind towards each other just because we're talking about sex openly. Uh, we're going to wrap up soon, but Jibim, I think we have a special request. Have you checked your message, Jibim? <laughs> Okay, um, from Lee. Okay, how many dates generally till you sleep with someone? Jobim, this... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jobim has a fan. Okay. okay, anyway, so how many dates generally till you sleep with someone? It's up to you. What about you, Jobim? How many dates you. before you sleep with someone? Okay, so... I can say this now because... I'm going. I'm probably going to be married within the next year anyway. So yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> oh thank you. So yeah, um, as much as possible, I would try to delay sex. Like I, I try to wait the longest possible amount of time before the other person absolutely can't not fuck anymore. Edging king. Okay. Damn. Yeah, you wait also? Until sex? Yeah, you wait for sex until... Forever, dude. You wait forever? <laughs> yeah, no. It's like forever. It takes like years. Years? Holy crap. Yeah, because I, I don't know. For me, for me, I, I know what my problem is. And that's when I have sex too early, it becomes about the sex too early. Mm. So I prefer mind games. No, getting to know somebody uh, before... And, and that way, the sex is that much more pleasurable, too. Because you guys know each other really well. That's true. Mm -hmm. And you've been flirting I around, dancing around the idea of sex for so long that the reality of it is, you know... What about you, Kai? Do you put out on the first date? Depend. If I feel as though I want to go farther with someone, I don't. But if it's like, I just want to be friends and talk to them. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Oh my I god. Go. 
Uh, my past two long-term relationships, I slept with them on like the second date. I would have slept with them on the first if I had an opportunity, but I didn't. So I'm, I'm, I'm fast. I'm like, let's do this immediately so I can see what's up with this. And if it sucks, I don't have to waste my time on you anymore. Great. Trisha wants to kick the tires right away. Yeah. I'm busy. I have so much shit going on. I don't have Why time to time? screen Why people. Right, right, right. Why waste time? This is the screening process, yeah. ma'am. <laughs> so I guess the answer really is whatever feels right for you, right? Because it's worked for me. What, what you guys have been doing have worked for you. I don't know. It's just really, I guess, about finding the person who vibes with you because I also sleep with them on the second date because I want to make sure that me sleeping with them on the second date is not an issue. Because some people are like that. It's like, oh, well, you slept with me too quickly. You must not be worth anything. And I'm just like, all right, bye then. You know, thank you for showing me your true colors. There's the door. So I, I kind of do it as a, also as a screening process. I don't know, Rika, how about you? What, what's your thought process behind when you sleep with somebody new? Mm, it depends. If it's like, uh, it's, the same, it's the same with Kai. If it's just fucking, then I'll fuck you first time and then I probably won't fuck you anymore unless you're good. Um, but if it's like, if I feel that, oh, I want to have a relationship with this person, it usually takes me two weeks. Two weeks. All right. Two weeks. I like how her that has been my like pattern. Measured in days. Yeah. It's, it's two weeks. Mm. Two weeks from the time <laughs> I decide I want to fuck you. Mm. Bam. No, two weeks since I met the person. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Even more expedited. <laughs> I love that though. I don't know why. It just happens. That, like, like, you don't plan When on I go it. back. No. Like when I go back to um, my relationships that matter, two weeks. Mm -hmm. talaga. I don't know why. So you know, like on the second week, I'm ovulating, and then they yeah. they come to me when I ha when I have my second. <laughs> oh, I so you're like I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's, it's that. Mm -hmm. Wow, there's oh god, I feel like I wish we could have a whole another episode to talk more with Eureka. But you know what? I'm just gonna pay you money. Maybe next year to get you into session. or December. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, thank you so much, Rika, because like I genuinely outside of our patient therapist relationship, I really genuinely en enjoy talking to you. I enjoy learning from you so much. Uh, <laughs> you've you've been incredibly insightful today. I don't my, my favorite takeaway from this is just I feel like therapy, sex therapy, relationships therapy, therapy in general is super helpful to a huge subset of the population like a lot of people don't want to accept that maybe they have issues whether it's with mismatched desire or anxiety about their sexuality or the things that they're experiencing and I don't know if I become some kind of weird like therapy advocate in whatever like I just keep telling people whenever they ask me like oh I have this problem I'm just like go to therapy like <laughs> I don't know, like, my last how many months with you have been really illuminating. And I'm just like, why would you waste more time worrying and having anxiety if you could sort this out and start, like, going on that process of healing? So 
Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Being in my life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you for trusting me. Thank you, thank you for trusting me, guys. Temporarily lending credibility to this show. <laughs> never be this credible ever again. <laughs> Until we have her again. Oh. <laughs> Until we have you again. So thank you. Thank you so much. We look yeah. like professionals tonight. All right. Before we say oh, goodbye, yeah. I just want to say hello again and goodbye to everybody who watched the show. We have final roll calls. So if you want us to say your name on air for whatever reason, uh, make sure to leave a comment. We got Nick, Zar, Tress, Nika, Angela, Mackie, Beatrice, Belle. If you join our Patreon, we'll moan your name. Ooh, <laughs> we should do that. Oh, follow me on my Instagram. I'm yes. an Instagram person. I think it's like, not a Gen Z thing. But yeah, it's at underscore Rico Cruz. <laughs> I'm not a Twitter person. I hate Twitter. So I don't like post anything. <laughs> Sorry. Well, how <laughs> about your podcast? That's what you call generational gap. Um, yeah, follow me on Instagram. It's at underscore Rico Cruz. I also have two podcasts. Um, one is Conservative Aho, which is on season two. And the other one is the Sexy Minds podcast, where you guessed it. Thank you very much. Kai, would you like to guest one time? And everyone here, I, I, I'd want to have you guest on um, my Sexy yeah. Minds podcast. Um, that's where we just talk about uh, how was your how was your experience, Jesha? We just Talk about no, it was amazing. Drunk, you know? <laughs> it was such a fun podcast. Honestly, we went for like two and a half hours. It was ridiculous. We did. We did. So yeah, can you can you guess? I'll, I'll message you one time, Kai. Okay. <laughs> and oh. I also have a daily show for those who have Signal TV or um, One PH. Uh, it's on Channel One. It's every day, uh, twelve thirty to two PM with Stanley Chi. So it's a oh daily my god, show. I know Stanley. I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but yes. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. So I co-host a show with him um, every day. Stanley Chi. He's a comedian. <laughs> but there. So, yep. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash mind And there, at underscore Rico Cruz, Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. What else do I have? I have a lot of things going on. But yeah, if you need therapy, uh, message me on doctor.ricocruz at gmail.com or just message me on Facebook. I don't know, wherever. <laughs> 10 out of 10 Ask would recommend. Trisha. Honestly. Oh, thank you. Uh, we did include stars to your Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars. Honestly, great service. Ambiance is awesome. Uh, <laughs> you know, so. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Kai, yeah. you want to plug your socials? XOXCAI on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you got Jobim of Year on Instagram, Jobimism, that's J-O-B-I-M-I-S-M on Twitter. I have a daily radio show called The Morning Show, Morning Show on Jam 88.3 from 10 a.m. to 10.40. And an upcoming podcast called Aging Millennials. Do watch out for that. All right. And I am obviously at Trisha O'Bannon on Twitter. You can catch Now Open... Almost everywhere there's social media. We're on Facebook, obviously, at NowOpenPH. Twitter at NowOpenPH. YouTube as well. We upload our episodes there. Uh, we're also in the process of uploading a bunch of things on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. So make sure you watch out for that. And next week, we're going to have a super, super fun topic. So I hope you guys tune in for that. Jobim, what's our topic next week? 
uh, sex movies that aren't pornos. No, that's the week after. Oh, God. okay. I don't know. What's the topic next week? <laughs> All right. So the topic next week is famous figures in sex history. Oh yeah, yeah fuck, I forgot. Yeah, it's it's fa- it's historical figures that like are sexy have have like sex impact on sex things. Yeah, so we're we're each gonna talk about a figure that has impacted sex, our understanding of sexuality, or I don't know, just really spoke to us personally. So make sure you catch that next and week. And I think that's it. We're out. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you next week. <laughs>